Welcome to the dark side of travel. So you've dared to come jaunt with me. Thank you. Let me introduce myself. I'm Courtney Maroc, Ambassador of Dark and Paranormal Tourism for Haunt Jaunts, a destination for restless spirits who dig hauntings, true crime, horror, Halloween, and weird days. I'll be your host and guide for this listening adventure. Looks like we've been cleared for takeoff, so buckle up, sit back, and enjoy the ride. Okay, I think we are ready to rock and roll with the taping parts. And where did you say you were? I live in the New York area, Westchester mm-hmm. County. Oh, so um, did you? Are you? Did you get hit hard up there? Completely. This is the hot spot of the world for a little while there. <clears throat> thousands and thousands of cases here. Uh, you mean the, the virus or the unrest? Yeah, well, I guess first the virus, and now are you having unrest also? Well, we live on five acres of wood, so we wouldn't know if, the, if there was a nuclear explosion in New York, let alone whether there was anything else. So it's all good. Oh, uh, and did you stay safe from the COVID so far? Completely, yeah, completely. Yes, a few few members of you know extended circles and so forth, but nobody nobody directly. Oh, thank thank God. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and congrats on your brand new show. A lot of people are really excited about this one. Oh, so good. It, I'm excited it, too. Is it a little different though than your other ones? Would you say? You bet it is. Yep, it's a very different. It's a big departure. You know what happened was that we were inventing a show that was kind of in the realm of what I normally was known for, which is sort of history exploration, and and Travel Channel kind of very consciously and determinedly decided to be paranormal. You know, which they had a lot of success with with Zach and so forth, and so they kind of rebranded, and so we were in the middle of that mix, and so we adapted that quite happily. I mean, I was like, wow, this is cool. So I was always interested in the paranormal um, because I'm interested in everything. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, and I, uh, I find it to be an interesting lens into a very sort of deep themes of society, which I won't bore you with. But the uh, rather than it just being shock and awe and scare and gotcha stuff from film, um, paranormal, alien, occult, curses, all that stuff is very deep stuff and very interesting sociologically and culturally to sort of approach um, areas in the world. So we kind of mapped out a global adventure that took me from Peru to eventually back to Central America, to Honduras. But in the meantime, I went to Bulgaria and England and Ireland and uh, Scotland, all over the place in Eastern Europe, Budapest, you name it. It was a global adventure series, you know, right before it became impossible to shoot something like this, which is an amazing irony or something like that, some, you know, twist of fate. Uh, but as a result, you're watching this brand new global adventure series in the middle of coronavirus, which is extraordinary. It is. Um, yeah. We're still going to see stuff. <laughs> I know, right? It's actually really a cool thing to be able to offer that up. And it's, I hope it gives some sort of exp- ex- escapist uh, pleasure to people who've been sitting at home too too long, you know. Yeah, I hope so too because I I was lucky I got to watch the screener of is the vampire episode your first? It is. That's the premiere. That okay. was a big time show. We we were in uh, Bulgaria for that for most part. We also went over to Czech Republic and you know you do a lot of driving in these kinds of shows and learn about a lot of different kind of things. 
Um, the very mysterious part of the world. Very uh, kind of determined to figure out what vampires really were, as opposed to this sort of accepted version that we've all grown up with, um, which is very much a Hollywood experience. I've done now three vampire shows. I've done two shows on Vlad the Impaler, and one show, this one, for uh, for Buried Worlds. And in each one of these, you end up um, full frontal with the with the fact that we have our own judgments of things that we that, that need to be re-educated. You know, when we go to Eastern Europe, there's a whole different culture that has really birthed this this idea of malevolence and evil being kind of personified in this entity, uh, this this humanoid entity. But it's not really human necessarily. It can be also a spiritual kind of realm. And we investigate this uh, mountaintop village, very, probably the most mysterious night of my life. We got GPS coordinates to join a, a vampire team, um, in a mountaintop village, which was a, an abandoned gypsy village. It was actually a 19th century farming village for probably sheep herders or something like that. And these little hovels, these beautiful little, you know, um, relic of, of buildings sort of populate this, this hilltop. And we went up about six o'clock at night. It wasn't, wasn't dark. And, but before it was over, we were having a, a, a vampire, you know, um, oh God, what's the word I'm thinking for when you, when you exercise something, yeah, a vampire exorcism, I guess. Oh yeah. Uh, in, in the in the in the basement, you know, in the stable of one of those houses, which was a candle burning ritual that's on on the show, you know, that's really real. Like the guy really did it, and and the epiphany that comes from that experience was true, and it was an extraordinary experience of of learning about um, how these three individuals, these three guys, were. Uh, practicing their craft. You know, one guy was a straight-on vampire hunter. He believed that we would find an entity out there, you know, some sort of walking, you know, creature. Uh, another guy was more of a spiritualist, and he was like, yeah, it's not really like that. It's more of a kind of a spiritual energy thing. Um, I forget what the other guy was, but they all had their different orientations on the whole practice. And so to go with them into this world was it was a fascinating experience. That yeah, the looked, out of me quite yeah, it looked a little freaky, like, just the, I mean, it wasn't like, I don't know if you had said it. I want to say you did. You're like, well, this is like out of a horror movie. No, it was. It was really creepy. And, and I mean, you couldn't invent a set that was better for that, you know, for <laughs> horror student film. Than that. Oh, <laughs> no really... way. And what was the growl? Did you ever guys figure out what that? Yeah, uh, you know, well, in that regard, no, is the answer to your question. But you get... So much of the occult and the history of paranormal activity is, is trying to answer the great unknown, you know, the questions of the great unknown, which is what is out there beyond. And for villagers in the 19th century and before, you were dealing with pre-science and how to answer questions like that without, you know, uh, without being consulting the Internet. And, uh, and so mythology is born and um, legend is born and people associate things like wolves with werewolves and they create you know whole whole mythologies around this sort of thing so we were probably hearing a coyote or somebody's dog out there in the in the uh hinterland but maybe we weren't you know yeah. it, was, it was important for me as the host of this thing to open myself up to the great possibilities that i don't know what the hell i'm talking about you know and <laughs> and really uh accepting that for a fact and there are tons of people out there who are who embrace this fact that while we are equipped with a great scientific knowledge of the world, thanks to incredible work, you know, for the last 200 years, 300 years, um, interesting that we're still so confused about what's beyond. 
and, and what happens to us, you know, unless you're one who just shrugs and says you die and you go away, then you're left with questions of some sort of, you know, existential questions that, that challenge your, your version of, of the world. And so that's what we did. You know, we went out there to learn and to meet all those kinds of people. And for me as a host to have an experience, two or three experiences that, that literally take the audience to that place with me, you know, an outsider visiting another world and seeing, you know, what happens, you know, what is it? And in that regard, changing a perspective or at least enhancing a perspective on this realm that I had so little experience at before. Yeah, that you took a whole, I think people will be shocked to to learn a few things like, um, I think we just all take it for granted that Vlad the Impaler was basically the father of, you know, the whole Dracula myth, but that's, you show that's well, not true. There was something way before that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was tons of stuff before that. And and they have had those legends, just like any culture has, to explain, you know, what happens to people when they're put in the ground or whatever. Um, and Vlad was very much a historical figure who was a profound, important person to history that has nothing to do with paranormal. But um, uh, Bram Stoker liked his name. <laughs> so he ah, it. Isn't that interesting? I mean, it's just so crazy. And the other thing that was neat in this episode, like when you talked about the, the three guys, the, do you pronounce it Sabonici? Sabonici, Sabonici yes. The Sabonici. Sabonici. Um, Vampire hunters. Yeah, you were the, they had never allowed a film crew before, so you were the first there to do that. Then you went under the Buddha castle, and the guy was like, yeah, tourists don't come down here. So you're taking well, us to of, new things. Yeah. That's kind of the trademark of these shows, you know, and of, of my hosting, that I get access to places that people can't do. Uh, not necessarily for your interview, but something happened under that Buddha cast that was utterly sweet. So that guy, who's my guide down there, is probably in his 30s or so. I'm in my 50s. So I was doing Cities of the Underworld when that kid was a, when that guy was a 10-year-old or something like that. <laughs> Cities of the Underworld was on in 2006. So I didn't know, but, and he was so, such a classy guy who really knew his stuff. At the end of it, he says, well, now I can tell you we're done. And I said, what? He says, I'm a historian because of what I watched you do on TV when, you, when I was young. And I said, I mean, it literally, she, tears came to my eyes. It was very, very sweet. And I had liked the guy anyway so much. And then to find out that I had something influential in his life in Hungary, never mind, you know, somebody that I knew. It was really a remarkable testament to, you know, what media can do and how it can affect people. And it was really, really sweet. Anyway, so that's oh. why we were there, so. No, that's fantastic to hear. <laughs> oh, what a great compliment. I mean, what? Yeah, that's it was really possible. nice. I wonder if he too knew, like, oh, he, you know, Mr. Wildman's coming. I've got to be the one to give him the tour. Yeah, he did. He so, knew about it. He was a guide in town, and so he had been contacted by our people. It was just, it was coincidence. It wasn't like it was a plan, but it just so happened that he, he was able to do this. And when he heard it was me, he was like, oh, my God, that's great. So it was oh, fun. my God. That's, anyway. like, huge. Yeah. <laughs> and really um, cool. the other thing, so I asked the cut, you know, I, I just threw it out there for, you know, people that happen to read whatever I write. Um, did they have any questions? And I had a couple of ladies that did, and one that they shared in common, they each had well, when they shared in common, I guess, was they both really were curious about, like, how dangerous are these treks, and do you ever feel, like, filming any, like, do you feel any sense of danger? Are you pretty protected? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we went looking for it, 
on this one, and, and we often do in terms of the, the physical adventure involved. Look, you know, there's a lot of television. You know, you got to offer people something that uh, challenges the person. I do a kind of television that is a protagonist. You know, I'm I'm the guy that you vicariously experience it through. And so when we plan these shows, we do not take lightly the fact that this can't look like anything else. You know, people are spending a lot of money to get us out there and doing these things. So we have to find things that are really edgy and very interesting. And if it's not a physical adventure, then it better be a scary adventure. And uh, and so definitely, I mean, there are caves that I go into in Peru that were really dangerous and really deep. And, and, uh, and, and you're also trying not to damage things while you do it. You know, like you're in the company of great artifacts down below and stuff like that. Oh. So there's, there's all sorts of things. But at one point in the, um, in the Honduran experience, by the way, which just comes at the late part of this, I actually was, uh, I'm shooting in a little crevice inside of a cave and my experience is very interesting. This is pertinent to your question. I have two jobs. I'm down there to experience it live and have a first person, you know, um, protagonist experience, but I'm also trying to remember uh, the information that I'm trying to meld with my experience, you know, so I'm trying to do that at the time because that's the stuff that always ends up in the show. Um, and while I was doing that, I was talking back to the camera over my shoulder and my legs were down this crevice. And when I turned around, a coral snake had crawled <laughs> between my, my legs and over one of my shins. And I didn't realize it at first what it was. And then I realized, oh, my God, it's a freaking coral snake. And that's one of the most dangerous snakes in the world. And so, uh, needless to say, you know, bolted out of that place. <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, there's no sooner do you, you know, no sooner is the, is the fear replaced by, oh, it's good television. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how you feel about that kind of thing. So. The, the more dangerous, the better, because you know that people are going to be watching with curiosity. And in my case, I'm trying to teach them something, you know, trying to learn something on these shows. And so that's hard to do, uh, to find places and, and experiences that marry that up. And that's what you're trying to find. Yeah, that's a total Indiana Jones <laughs> moment uh, yeah. right there. It was wow. kind of that way. And no golden that, relic involved. When you say that, that, like when we're talking about the danger, it reminded me of, you're driving on the road. I forget if it was in still Budapest or Hungary, but oh, that tiny was, little road, yeah. Where do you find other? You know, are there scary other transportation things throughout? My the wife, my wife loves that I do this for a living. You know, it's very interesting to hear about and watch her husband on set. She hates that I take these risky moves. You know, like she's constantly on me about life insurance and stuff like that because oh. she just thinks. I'm going to die every time I do a show. Um, I forgot your question. I'm so sorry. What was it? Oh, if there were other um, scary roads or, you know, transportation oh, that oh, you oh. threw out the, sure. the episodes of Buried World. Yeah, well, as we go, you know, Peru is a, full of stuff like that in terms of we were in an area of Peru that was really um, uh, off the beaten track. You know, like most people go to Peru go south to Machu Picchu and all of that. Well, that's the Inca trail. That's, that's all the Inca history, which is really great and really important. And, but it's kind of later history. And when you go back further, you find much more raw um, civilizations, um, much more fundamental to, this, to the place. And that's all in the north of Peru and out by the ocean. And so we, we spent our time doing that. 
there's all kinds of stuff up there that, that, that sort of challenges your understanding of the world and, and your driving abilities. <laughs> oh. uh, thinking specifically of a, a village uh, that we went to, um, which was a sort of beachside village. If you've gone there in, in um, is it July? And I guess they're above the equator. I can't remember now. I think they're below. Anyway, the, um, in the middle of their summer, it would be a sort of surfside community, but it was off season. And so it was very abandoned. We were meeting a, a guy who had discovered uh, some bones across the street from his pizzeria. His kid had come home with a jawbone and the dog brought home a femur. Ooh. And he called, he called the local archaeologist who works down the way at a very famous archaeological site. And they ignored him for three calls. And then finally, in the third call, the archaeologist said, okay, I'll be up this afternoon. He walked up and the discovery of what was across the street from the pizzeria um, changed this archaeologist's career forever. And oh. he, ends, he ended up with a professorship in Florida, as a matter of fact, out of this. Because wow. it was such a, a big deal um, piece of archaeological history. And what it was, was the largest, the site of the largest child sacrifice in history. <gasps> hundreds and hundreds of children who were sacrificed in a ritualistic uh, appeal to the gods, the story of which we go into and, and explain what happened. But it's a really fascinating story, and it's just horrific to imagine the scene that you're trying to, you know, you're grappling with as you understand that you're literally looking at lines and lines of children who are one by one getting, um, you know, basically their hearts Murder. You know, oh, and oh it was a, a terrible, terrible scene that, you know, has its place in history, you know, in that world, and there's a certain um, lack of judgment you have to bring to it. But then you can't help the fact that these are, you know, obviously terrified people and terrified children and uh, a gruesome scene of murder and mayhem that's happening here. So that was uh, an incredible experience that we had um, at that place and did a bit of archaeology ourselves, finding one of those skeletons. Holy guys. Oh, sorry to cut in. We are a little bit over time. Um, okay. Courtney, let me know if you have any other questions that you can get a chance to ask, and I can pass them along and get those answered yes. to you. Oh, um, yeah, I, I, I would just, and I don't, I think that's great. I, I pretty much got the ones answered, and I sure appreciate the time. Me too. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Don, and great, great luck with the show. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Yes, thanks. Bye-bye. been listening to Haunt Johns, a podcast for restless spirits. My name is Courtney Maroc, and it's been my pleasure to be your host and guide for this journey. I snagged the music, Phantom from Space, from Kevin McLeod at Incompetech. If you'd like to continue exploring beyond the podcast, jaunt with me online anytime at hauntjaunts.net. Or if you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe to Haunt Jaunts wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also jaunt with me socially on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. You'll find links to all of Haunt Jaunts social media on the website, as well as a player on the podcast page with all of the episodes. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until our paths cross again, ciao for now.